Hi, thanks for joining us today. Listen, some truths we should never forget. They should be a part of our daily life, the things that we continually consider. One of those things for me is the twofold thought that number one, our lives have now been washed by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of Jesus Christ shed for us 2,000 years ago has washed our life and left it blameless in the sight of God. The second part is that our lives are not only washed with the blood of Jesus Christ, but they've been born of his spirit, that we've been made alive in the spirit of who we are to have a living relationship with God. I love the encounter that we read about in the book of John, chapter 3, between Jesus and a man called Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious expert. He wasn't just a religious scholar, but he was a leading chief teacher in the Pharisees and in the religious structure of the day that Jesus lived. Now, Nicodemus had heard Jesus speaking in different settings, overheard him in crowds. And it says in John chapter 3 that Nicodemus comes to the place where Jesus is staying at night, makes a backdoor appearance, because he has some very real questions for Jesus. Not to catch him out, not to try and baffle him with what he knew, but he had some real earnest questions concerning what Jesus had been teaching concerning his kingdom and the salvation that would come through his life. So we see Nicodemus come to the back door, knock the door, Jesus answer it. Jesus began to start a conversation with Nicodemus. And as a part of that conversation, Jesus says to Nicodemus, listen, a man must be born again. A person must be born again. To come into the kingdom of God, a person must, it's not optional, be born again. Nicodemus begins to try and reason this with his natural understanding. How can a man, how can a person be born a second time? How can they return to the womb of their mother for a second birth experience? Jesus says, you're not seeing what I'm saying here, Nicodemus. I'm speaking of a second birth that comes into the life of a person that causes them to become spiritually alive in who they are to God. Then we read in verse 6 a statement that Jesus makes to Nicodemus. And it's this statement I want us to think about today. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. It sounds like just a statement he's making as he's giving this explanation to Nicodemus about the born-again experience. But actually, that statement really stands alone and contains an incredible truth for us to understand. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Now, for us to understand what Jesus is saying, we need to understand what he meant by flesh, but also what he meant by spirit. The word that's used there for flesh is the Greek word sarx, 
And it means a number of things. Let me give you some of the definitions of the word flesh when Jesus says flesh gives birth to flesh. Number one, it's a soft substance that covers our bones. It's our skin. It's the flesh that we know as the vehicle of our life, that which, as it says so well, is the covering of the bones of who we are. Also, it says it's the body of the person, a natural origin of a person. But then it begins to open up the word flesh a little bit further to help us understand that it also means the sensuous nature of a man, likened to the animal-like nature and cravings that a person can have that can incite sin in a person's life. So when Jesus is speaking about flesh, he's not just speaking about skin. He's speaking of the fallen nature of man, the nature of man that has a craving towards things that doesn't do us any good. The final definition is that the word flesh means the human nature, the earthly nature of a person apart from the divine influence. And therefore, because there's no divine influence, they're prone to sin, but also opposed to God. So when Jesus speaks of the word flesh, he's speaking of the natural person of who we are, the skin of who we are, but also the nature of who we are as a fallen humanity, not under the control of God, the soul of who we are, the earthly nature of a person, the self-life of a person, that when it's not under divine influence of God, is prone to sin, but also opposed to God, his rule and reign. But then we hear Jesus speak the word spirit, that which is of flesh is of flesh, that which is of spirit is spirit. And the word that he uses for spirit is again a Greek word, and it's the word pneuma. And it means the third person of the triune God. You know, the Holy Spirit who's co-equal, co-eternal. It also means um, the person that's never um, deferred to as a depersonalized force, that the Holy Spirit isn't a vapor or a force, a, a force but the third person of the Godhead. When the word pneuma is used, it's about the third person, the Holy Spirit, someone who's a person, not a force, but also likened to the breath of God. Now, think about this for a moment. What Jesus said to Nicodemus was so powerful. He said, that which is of human, fallen human, can only give birth to human, fallen human. But that which is of spirit gives birth to spirit. Remember what we said about the flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. What's Jesus saying? The flesh and blood, mum and dad, people making babies in the natural, can only produce what they are themselves which outside of being alive to Christ is nothing more than flesh and soul, uh, fallen nature, um, all those things that make us who we are in a natural experience. But wait a moment, then it says spirit is what gives birth to spirit. 
So actually, when a person believes in Christ and they're born again, as they approach Christ, they're already human. Their flesh that's been made by flesh, their flesh that's been born from flesh. But the moment they approach Jesus and receive him into their lives, they move from being two parts to being three parts. Because in that moment when they place faith in Christ and receive him as saviour, they remain flesh, skin, soul, with a human nature. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the third person of the Godhead, quickens their dead spirit, causes it to come back to life and then be filled with his very own presence. So the moment a person is born again, they become like God, a triune person. No longer a person made of skin and bones with a human nature, but now also a person who's alive in the spirit of who they are to God, to his leadership and to his life. I love the way that this is put in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, when it says that we all, those who have placed faith in Jesus, now have this treasure in the earthen vessels or the jars, the jars of clay that we are. Just before that verse, verse 7 is verse 6, and I love that, that it says, and God who caused his life to shine into darkness at creation has now come and shone within our hearts, bringing the light of Christ. It's interesting when you look at the word used for the Holy Spirit in the book of Genesis. It's a different word to the Greek word pneuma, but it means the same thing. It's the word ruach. And it means the spirit of God, the breath of God. But in creation, we see God release his spirit, his breath, his very own person, the spirit of who he is, into void to suddenly create life that wasn't there before. Now we see Jesus saying the same thing to Nicodemus, that before a person is born again, their flesh that has been made by flesh, but they're dead in spirit to God. But the moment a person prays, Jesus, come into my life, cause me to become born again, suddenly the spirit of God, the pneuma, the ruach, the breath of God, the third person of the Godhead, comes in to the formerly dead spirit or dead spiritual part of a person, breathes life, and they come alive on the inside. Other versions, when you read in John 3, says that Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born anew. You must be 
born from above. Isn't this powerful? That many thanks go out to our mums and our dads who created flesh to create flesh. But our greatest praise should go to our heavenly father who calls spirit to give birth to spirit within us. That today we are spiritually alive to God when we were formerly dead to him because of the fall of humanity in Adam. You see, when we turn again to the book of Genesis, we see God make man in his image and his likeness. Adam was made alive in all three parts. He was alive physically. He was alive in the soul of who he was. But also he was alive in the spirit of who he was, alive to God. He knew God, not just on the outside of him, but on the inside of him. He knew the daily leading of the Lord from deep within the fibers and the spirit man of who he was. But we also know there comes that moment where he chooses the tree of the knowledge of good and evil over the tree of life that God had given for his provision. But God had also said to Adam, in the moment you eat of that tree, you will surely die. But I'm sure, like me many times, you've read on from that moment in Genesis we see Adam and Eve take of the fruit. We see mankind take of the fruit. We see humanity do what God said they shouldn't. They eat the fruit. God comes and finds them hiding. And he removes them from the garden of his delight, paradise. And they're taken through a one-way door through which they can't return. And I read those verses and I say, well, wait a moment, God. Father, you said that when they ate the fruit, they would die, yet they still look very much alive to me. They're even having children. Flesh is giving birth to flesh. Now, here's what you've got to understand. The moment they were removed from God's presence, they died. Not in the flesh of who they were, and that's why they were able to multiply, have Cain and Abel. Flesh was able to give birth to flesh, but they died in the spiritual of who they were. That moment in the garden, that disobedience, that treason against God caused a spiritual death in them, but also in the children they would produce. You see, two dead parents can only create dead children. And man and humanity, not just Adam and Eve, remained dead on the inside to God alive in the flesh of who they were, but dead in the spirit of who they were until the moment that Jesus Christ came to die on a cross to make his death the beginning of spiritual life again for those who would believe. You see, the moment a person believes in Jesus, believes in their heart, confesses with their mouth, welcomes Jesus into their lives, Jesus doesn't come in the life of who they are in the person of who he is because he's seated at the right-hand side of the Father. But what happens is God sends the third person of the Trinity, his spirit, 
into the dead spiritual condition of a person that they inherited in Adam, and that dead spiritual part of who they are is born again, born anew, born afresh. They still have the flesh and the soul of who they had from being born to natural parents, but now a person is alive in that inner part of who they are. Isn't that powerful? We're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. So any issue of sin is dealt with. But then God says, well, actually, I made you holy for a reason. And he reveals that reason. He made our lives holy, lives that were once unholy, to be able to contain and house his Holy Spirit. Stop and think about that for a moment. Like Paul said to the Corinthian church, do you not know that your life is now the temple of the Holy Spirit? That the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, now lives in you. Why can the Holy Spirit now live in us? Because the damage of what Adam created in his disobedience was completely repaired by the obedience of Jesus Christ. When we place faith in what Jesus achieved for us at the cross, our lives are taken from being unrighteous to becoming righteous. God sanctifies that which was unholy so that it's now holy. Not that we can parade in gowns and talk to people about being holy, but rather that now our lives could contain the Holy One, the Spirit of the risen Jesus Christ makes the spiritual part of who you were made to be originally come back to fullness of life so that you move from being the product of flesh giving birth to flesh to also being spirit that's been made alive and brought into being and birthed by spirit. You see, flesh and blood can only give birth to flesh and blood, and spirit can only give birth to spirit. The moment you're born again and you ask Jesus to come into your life, he comes and Jesus becomes incarnate now living in you. When we begin to consider these things, that's when we begin to see our lives as more than conquerors. That's when we understand that when Jesus says our lives are in victory, they truly are because our lives are now in the victorious one and the life of the victorious one is now living in us. 
Oh, when we understand these things, that's when we can declare from the rooftops, I am born again. The Spirit of God now lives in me. He quickens my mortal body. The same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in me. He's made the dead spiritual me come alive to know God again and be able to be led by him in every decision that I make. Okay, let's bring this in for a landing. So Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, flesh... That skin, fallen human nature can give birth to flesh, human nature. But it's God's spirit that breathes God's life into that which was dead and dormant, causing it to live again. It's the spirit that produces new life. You know, when I think of that statement, Flesh gives birth to flesh. I think about how pointless religion without God is. Because religion without God's spirit is nothing more than fleshly activity. Yet Jesus teaches that that which is only flesh can only give birth or create that which is only flesh. That's why I don't want pointless man-made religion. I want to be a person born again of God's spirit, a person that's experienced this second birth that Jesus said was available to anyone who believes. The flesh produces the flesh, but it's the spirit of God who produces, creates, and causes a rebirth of the spiritual person God originally made us to be, deep in the inner unseen parts of who we are. Now, we know this to be true because the moment a person genuinely gives their life to the Lord, brings their life under submission to his kingdom, receives Jesus into their life, everything suddenly begins to change within them. Desires that once ruled them no longer have the appeal they once had. Why? There's a new boss in town. You were once empty of God's spirit, but now God's spirit has come to rule and reign on the inside of you. I can remember when I was first born again, I went to steal something because stealing was the manifestation of the fallen human nature that had governed and ruled my life since I was first naturally born. But all of a sudden, I couldn't steal anymore because there was a new sound happening within me. Not an external preacher telling me not to do things, but rather a new life within me saying, that's not who you are anymore. I can remember there were areas in my life that were morally wrong, and I didn't have a conscience about them. I was quite happily living in what I now know to be sin. But the moment I was born again, and the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, came to live in me, suddenly I couldn't do the things I used to do. 
not because I'd read a book that told me not to, but because now there was something new, someone new, alive and living and wanting to be the leadership of my life. And all I've learned to do, and I'm still learning to do, is daily listen for the voice of God's spirit that now lives in me. To daily be led by God's spirit who now lives and is one with my spirit. Remember what the Bible says. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. How powerful is this truth today? That flesh gave birth to flesh. Thank you, mum. Thank you, dad. But spirit has now given birth to spirit. Thank you, Jesus. You have made the one who was once spiritually dead, born anew. You've caused me to live again in that part of me that you originally designed for me to be alive to you within. I hope these words encourage you today. And like Jesus said to Nicodemus, maybe you need to hear these words today because you haven't yet received Christ. A person must be born again. It's not enough to be born of the flesh, the produce of your earthly mother and father. A person must be born again. How is a person born again? Simple. You acknowledge Jesus Christ as saviour. Repent of your sins and ask him to come into your life and bring with him a new birth experience. Before you even say amen, the Lord promises that that's exactly what he will do. The Lord bless you. I hope this has encouraged you today. You're not just a person born of the flesh, but now you're a person born of the spirit. God bless you.